Okay, welcome to Ladywood, a podcast in which two big fans of the show and one total newbie discuss the series from a feminist point of view. I'm Lynn Sternberger. I'm a television writer in Los Angeles. I'm Brandi Sperry, also a writer and the co-host of the Downton Gabby podcast. My name is Sita Sean, also a comedy writer and stand-up comic. Today we're discussing the fourth episode of the second season called Requiem for a Gleet, written by Ted Mann. He is one of the handful of writers who I believe was on the entire run of Deadwood. And directed by Alan Taylor, who is returning from the first season. He directed the episode in which Hicka got shot, I believe. Isn't he a big way? Doesn't he do a lot of Game of Thrones now? Oh, he has had a very storied career. He has directed episodes of Lost, The West Wing, Six Feet Under, Sex and the City, The Sopranos, Game of Mm. Thrones, Boardwalk Empire... Deadwood, of course, and Mad Men. So just, you know, just the hits. <laughs> He's got a couple of bucks. He's doing all right. He probably has a nice house. <laughs> um, this episode aired March 27 of 2005. In it, Cochran contemplates a procedure that could cure Swearingen or kill him. His employer, indisposed, Doherty must attend to a former fellow bushwhacker come to request Swearingen's permission to pull a job. And to Wu, who attempts to convey news of a Tong newly arrived from San Francisco who appears to be an associate of Francis Walcott. Saul Starr ponders plans for setting up a bank, but his choice of possible backers displeases Bullock because it's Bullock's girlfriend. (laughs) Ellsworth confronts Walcott on the Garrett claim. That was a lot of stuff that went down in this episode. It really is. What's a gleet? First and foremost. (laughs) Okay, no, but really I am still wondering. Like, like... Doc said in an earlier episode, if you pass any gleets, let me know. A watery discharge from the urethra Ooh. caused by gonorrheal infection. So are, <laughs> are we saying that Al has an STD and that's what's caused that's these not, I mean, bladder stones? I think you can also get it from just like never drinking water. Yeah, they never drink water. Too much whiskey, not enough water. So yeah. That's a life lesson we can carry into today. Um, drink water in at least equal measure with your whiskey. Yeah. If you don't want to have a... <laughs> bloody discharge yikes okay <laughs> so but first we open on a sort of like sunny a dappled mm-hmm. cabin in the woods feel and bullock and martha are rising from their sleep and they're gonna talk in code about doing it yeah they're gonna have a conversation <laughs> <laughs> i think she said intercourse would you like to start a discussion this morning but then yeah it's like that type of intercourse can be pleasant in the morning or in the evening. I mean, is this the first time they're consummating their relationship? Yes, for sure. That's why there's so much talk about it. I had to, like, kind of rewind and listen to the whole conversation again after I sort of realized where they were going with things. It's only, like, like, day two since she got into town, so she's not really waiting. Yeah, Martha is interesting. I mean, this is really, like, the main scene we get with her here, but I'm like, tell me more. This woman is, she has, like, her sly little upstanding way mm-hmm. of getting what she wants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, she wants to consummate her fucking marriage and make it real, and then they call each other by their first names after that, so that's how you oh, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. The door closes, and they call each other by their He's, first names. Listening yeah. to them talk felt like Elizabethan times the way that they were so incredibly formal with each other so yeah I guess them calling each other by Seth and Martha is like real rowdy for this household (laughs) the kids downstairs going where's the trout where's the trout (laughs) I was just thinking like how is Alma gonna react if Martha gets knocked up with Seth's baby like there's no plausible deniability there that he's 
devoted to this new woman if that happens. Yeah, because she'd have proof. She'd have like the proof is in the baby that <laughs> that they're begging. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because if I were her, I would be like in denial. Like, oh, maybe he's like waiting for me somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. at and least he's working it out. No, it's day two and he's banging. He's banging his wife. <laughs> she insisted. Meanwhile, Al is also in bed, but not for a fun reason. <laughs> what a sweaty, disgusting, gross mess all through this episode. There is a lot more dick blood. <laughs> so much fucking. Can we call this episode dick blood? <laughs> we can. Will it get put on iTunes? Yeah. <laughs> the in the in the word dick and see how it goes. D hyphen CK blood. <laughs> um, it's it's horrible. Props to the makeup team. He looks like a fish gasping for air mm-hmm. on the banks of a riverbed. Mm-hmm. Um, Trixie's back at his bedside, taking care of him with uh, his his new flame. I forget her name. Not Dora. Something like that. Dolly. Dolly. Dolly, yeah. Trixie goes to tell Saul that she will not be able to take accounting lessons from him today because she is busy. And I'm like, this is a very magical timeline moment because when did they agree to do these lessons? When did this happen? When did it start? It's been two days. Two days. But whatever. And she's already learned like a bunch of accounting lingo. I'm like, this is a fast learner. (laughs) Yeah. Magical timeline. We're going to now believe that they have been... This uh, is what I've been wanting to happen, so I'm going to go with it. I don't care. (laughs) I guess they had a lot to talk about while he was drugged up with his busted shoulder. Yeah. (laughs) He was just monologuing about debit accounts or whatever. Um, So Trixie is back at at Al's bedside uh, for the moment making sure that Al gets taken care of by the doc. This whole thing, which we discussed in the last episode, is convenient that Wolcott can do his machinations while Al's out of commission. It's also really helping Trixie gloss over her, you know, transition to learning accounts, to hanging out at the hardware store, everything. Basically not working. Trixie has not been working for like a week, right? And Al can't do shit about it. Yeah. I I don't even think it's crossing his mind because he's in such such, uh, agonizing pain. And he seems to want her there with him at his bedside. He's not like nursing any grudges at the moment. But it will be interesting to see afterwards whether he buys her sort of being like, oh, I'm, I'm just... In the last episode, she said something to the effect of, like, I'm going to go keep my ear open at the hardware store. And I'm like, that's a a light cover story for what you're actually doing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's going to hold up. Um, Probably not. But we don't even know if Al's going to make it through until the end of the episode. So while he's laid up, Walcott is sniffing around Alma's claim. And Ellsworth comes across him. He knows who this guy is. He's like, I remember, weren't you beardless back at the whatever and he's at like the Comstock at the Comstock, mm-hmm. and, yeah. And he clearly knows who who Walcott is. He knows they have some backstory, or they've crossed paths before. He don't he doesn't like the guy. He doesn't like that he's on Alma's claim. He doesn't trust that he uh, is just accidentally wandered mm-hmm. onto the claim and doesn't know what he's doing. I really liked seeing Ellsworth get his shackles up. Yeah, it seems that he also thinks they have unsafe practices, and he's seen cave-ins before that have been caused by the Hearst operation. Another point to Ellsworth as the only bachelor I would give to a rose to on the <laughs> Deadwood Bachelor version is that uh, Walcott mentioned the story where Ellsworth dug for two days to try to get men out of yep. a collapsed mine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is a decent fucking dude. He didn't yep. sleep for two days to try to get people out of a mine. 
I'm just going to say it, Ellsworth, I think you got a shot with Sita. <laughs> I'm just saying, Ellsworth. Jim Beaver, if you listen to this podcast, call us. It was 46, uh, 46 men that died uh, under um, the last Wolka operation. Yeah, and three that he saved, and Wolka yeah. makes some comment about, like, oh, well, you could count the dead or the saved, whatever. <laughs> I mean... Wolka's like a psychopath, right? Yeah, the oh, creepiness yeah, is really turned up in this episode, mm-hmm. and he's turning it towards everyone, and he really hates it when somebody touches him. Mm. Like, he keeps saying, unhand me, take your hand off my arm to everyone. <laughs> to be fair, I would say that to E.B. if he touched me, too. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm like, this is maybe the one part where I'm sympathetic to him. I'm like, yeah, don't touch somebody without their consent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, he is uh, weird. He's he's weird. He's giving off bad vibes, and Ellsworth nails it uh, from, like, the first second. Meanwhile, Alma, I thought, I don't know why I forgot this, but Alma has is settling up with Mrs. Isringhausen. I thought she might invite, might be like, I was a little hot-headed. Yeah. Forget it. No, she's like... Well, here's your severance, and I will help you book your tickets out of here. <laughs> and it was like, oh no, you're gone. You are out of here. She's Mrs. not backing down. No. But then we get what we wanted, which is Isringhausen has another side to her. Mm-hmm. She, Sarah Paulson's going to get something to actually do because this sly little minx has made up a whole story. Seems to have an entire like revenge plan in mind. She goes to Adams, which is like, do have they ever had no, a conversation? No, What's happening never. here? But plays up the damsel in distress thing and implies that Alma wants, wants to, to kill, kill her. her. <laughs> that came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Literally nowhere. I was like, what's going on? Just take the money and go find another job. Well, Six like- months pay plus another 200 bucks for travel. Yeah. Plus you can keep your room for as long as it takes you to book that. I mean, just, just what's leave. What's the big appeal of staying in Deadwood? There is none. <laughs> yeah, that, that part I didn't understand. I was like, what is the purpose of her revenge and why does she want to stay in Deadwood? This is a problem that we have with the female characters. Note, they should have reasons. (laughs) Um, Like, felt the same way about Kristen Bell Mm -hmm. as I do about her. We don't get the backstory that tells us why they're doing all of this. What is the motivation? What is the motivation? Maybe she kind of wants to bang Adams, too, before she leaves town. Yeah, that seems likely. She's not going to drink his face water, at least. <laughs> it's disgusting. We might get a little more personality from him in this scene, too, though. I, I feel like this might be like the a sum of, greater than the sum of their parts thing, where the two of them are a little bit more interesting together than they are separate. No? No one else has that? I, I think you're right, but I'm also like, they could fall into a ditch and I wouldn't care. That's also true. I'm with Lynn on this one. <laughs> I was not not excited to see Silas Adams back in Deadwood. I was, like, very happy that he had, like, just disappeared. I wanted to mention, like, where is Merrick? What happened? I love my baby Merrick. Where is he? Maybe Jeffrey Jones had a movie role or something. Maybe. Because they mentioned him. Yeah, he got, they brought him up and and it occurred to me that he hadn't been in quite a few episodes at this point. Yeah, nothing against Titus Welliver. Mm -hmm. It just... I feel like his character is an appendage that we don't need. I feel like he always gets cast as the person I'm not excited to see because that was his role on Lost for me as well. Oh. I was like, oh, get out of here. I don't care about you. Is he just like a really so. nice guy and all of his friends are like, we're going to cast uh, Titus in this. Let's make a little Maybe. role for Titus. Oh, he's the man in black and yeah. Lost. Mm-hmm. But there was a really fun scene with him and Dan when he said uh, to Dan, the commissioner from Yankton is going to fuck Al up the ass. Yes. And, and Dan says, said he to you while doing the same. And I was like, yes. oh, spicy, Dan. 
There were some good bum jokes. Some bum fucking jokes in this episode. I thought that they were ingenious. Um, but, you know, only as seen through a historical lens. Yeah, we're giving you a pass. Homophobia is not them. cool. Yeah. Uh, if you want to fuck somebody in the bum, that's your prerogative. Go right ahead. Yeah. With consent. Um, <laughs> with consent. With consent. I feel like that's more Al pointing out that he doesn't trust both of them. The fucked in the butt is really like, I distrust you. Oh, you're definitely oh, okay. correct, Sita. Sita, you are for sure correct. Uh, I just like the way that they did it. <laughs> well, he also knows the guy who arrives. Finally, we see a commissioner, and it's fucking Stephen Tobolowski. I had forgotten this, too. And so I was good. like, Ned Ryerson? Is that you? <laughs> Uh, and he turns out to be a weirdo as well. Yeah, he likes to take bubble baths. I mean, do any of these men not have a weird sexual proclivity that can be manipulated by the other people in town? No. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, like, maybe that's true to life back then. They didn't have much entertainment. They didn't have internet porn. No. You know. What else are they going to do but diddle themselves, as Joni said? Yeah. Right? Um, I love Stephen Tobolowski. He is such a cool guy, but also he takes interesting roles. This is one of them. Although he's got yet another unpronounceable name. Not even the characters in the town can pronounce his name the same way. It's Jari or, or Jerry. Even though or... Jari is what it looks like in the subtitles, but then yeah. some people say Jerry. Yeah. I don't know. He's the, Jar Jar Binks. the county commissioner. <laughs> He is the government person that everybody's been fearing would show up. But, yeah, his big plot point in this episode is he takes a bubble bath. <laughs> At the belly union. <laughs> he likes titties. He likes bubbles. He likes soapy titties. <laughs> you know what's weird is that we've been so hard on Cy, but he actually has a couple of moments I really like in the last couple episodes. Mm. And one of them here is, like, he gets this guy to, you know, put some stink on his Johnson, as he puts it, <laughs> to sort of distract him for a little while. But then the moment when he's like, okay, now back down to business. And he goes, like, not till my bath's over. <laughs> the look of, like... Disgust that comes across Sai's face was really funny to me in that moment because it's just like I'm dealing with fools here. <laughs> um, he's kind of losing it, right? Like he uh, is not great at subtlety. No, because uh, when Walcott kind of convinced him, like you're going to deal with me, and you're not, and you're not going to mention Hurst. We're just going to be in cahoots about this whole like putting the town on edge thing. He had to, like, make excuses to his drug dealers who he was calling over Mm -hmm. to, like, rope. He's like, we'll all get in on this. And he's like, you don't understand. It was supposed to be done very subtly and casually. And, yeah, he's, um... He doesn't do subtle and casual. He keeps calling Hearst, like, that guy I'm not supposed to mention. (laughs) Just don't mention it. That's how you don't mention it. You just don't mention it. And then he gives these crazy speeches to all of his employees. I was thinking that his previous bombacity actually kind of works in his favor with this kooky plan because everyone just kind of like stares at him no matter what he says. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, okay, back to business. Mm -hmm. But the ideas start percolating. I was thinking again, watching that stuff, like this guy was the second choice to play Al and how different it would have been. And how lucky we are that Al was played by Ian McShane. Um, Because, like, Al's out in this episode. He's acting his ass off, but he's not able to organize anything Mm -hmm. because he's having his own trauma. And, like, what would it be like if Al died and this was now Mm. our entree into Deadwood was this guy? Yeah. Yeah, the doc says really troubling things like like before the procedure, during the procedure. <laughs> like two men in ten survive, uh, like getting cut uh, to mm-hmm. get their bladder stones removed. And then Doc Doc Cochran also says, 
I do not want to kill another man. The dog is having a he's, meltdown. He's having a breakdown oh God. for sure. I feel so sorry for him. He really doesn't want to have to do this. He doesn't want to have to kill another man, and I think he specifically really doesn't want to kill, kill Al. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's having like dark night of the soul moments, thinking about what might happen. Trixie makes Dan promise that they'll burn down the gem before they'll let Sai take it over. I mean, people are getting real in their feelings about what would happen with no more Al. I was getting real in my feelings about it, too. I was like, this is a nightmare scenario. So I guess it goes to show how an antagonist can become a protagonist. I mean, we're all rooting for how to make it through this fucking thing, right? And yeah, Doc, it made me wonder, like, when did he kill a man? Probably during the Civil War. I'm sure, like, many times doctors feel like they killed someone because they, they couldn't, couldn't save, save them. them. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's the vibe I was getting from it, is he's just so tired takes of it so personally. Yeah. Takes it so personally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's probably still thinking about the Reverend. I'm sure he's still thinking about the Reverend. That was horrible. That was a very recent history. In the middle of all of this stuff, Cy cuts a deal with Francis Walcott and an associate of his... Regarding prostitutes, they're going to bring to Celestial Alley to serve the, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, none of this is PC, the Oriental population of Deadwood. You really get an assortment of anti-Asian <laughs> it's all It's all pretty horrific. And then Wu, of course, is witnessing this stuff happening in Al's absence, and he needs to talk to Al mm-hmm. about what's happening. All of this plotting and planning that's going on behind his back. I am still completely bewildered as to what Sai was doing regarding the celestial alley I don't understand. Why was he trying to start a race riot and now why is he arranging to have all these prostitutes come in? It's like, I I don't get it. It seems like like a subcontracted group of hookers are coming Mm -hmm. in from San Francisco into camp, which Al would derive 50% of the profits from. Sai. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sai would. And that was... That was like, I thought you were trying to start a race riot so you could take over Chinatown and that you would take the land for Chinatown. But is it the new plot that... New plan, he's going to ride Hearst's coattails. Mm -hmm. He thinks this means God's finally looking down on him or whatever. But it's all very odd. I do just, as a side note, want to say that the San Francisco cocksucker is fucking hot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. He could get it. New snack in Deadwood. It's probably going to be evil. But he just stands there silently glowering and I'm like, tell me more, San Francisco cocksucker. He does look good in his little outfit that he's got rocking. His like silk pajamas. Yes. Asai Tolliver manages to make uh, a joke that like the, the San Francisco cocksucker will have more time for Mahjong and I was like, racist but appropriate joke. <laughs> Who would want to have more time for Mahjong? <laughs> So Wu tries to communicate this to Dan, who is really on the struggle bus when it comes oh. to interpreting um, Wu's like various cocksuckers. I'm not as smart as Alice. <laughs> I can't play Wu charades. I can't do it. Oh, so funny. But it does go to show, like, I mean, we didn't need evidence of it. We'd already seen it. But like, Wu and Al have really respect one another as yeah. business people, right? Um, so now Wu's counting on Al to pull through in whatever's going on. Doc, as Brandy mentioned, he's he's totally losing it. His hand shakes. He, like, knocks oh, over something. Johnny gets burned at one point. Like, it's a real disaster. And you're like, this can't turn out well. Poor but Johnny. Then instead of using the surgical technique that they've agreed Oof. on, they end up just using smelling salts. And I'm like, why didn't we think of this before? I think it's 
it seems to be Al himself that triggers that somehow. He's like, don't, uh, don't as they're me. about to do it, he's yeah. like, no, don't, I can, I can do this, I can through. pass mm-hmm. the yeah, stone. Yeah, yeah, It's still epically gruesome. It's though. really horrific. It's like all hands on deck, literally everybody's holding Al down, they're lifting Al up, like Doc's got his pole up his penis, it's, it's, it's Trixie has to milk his penis. Oh, that's that's right. term. Oh. I mean, everyone is contributing, even Johnny, he's like, I have charge of the smell and salt. Yeah, he really uh, wants to be part of the team <laughs> He tried effort. to send him out, I was like, oh, this is a character mm-hmm. moment for Johnny, because mm-hmm. he, he was like kind of faint and kind mm-hmm. of a wimp mm-hmm. when it came to this stuff, but yeah, he's sticking it out for Al, mm-hmm. um, and Al seems to make some progress. He's finally passing the stones, and I love that really last scene with all of them collapsed on Al's bed because it's Al, Johnny, it's Dan, it's a Trixie, Trixie. and it's the doctor. And it's yeah. like, literally, this is everybody Al trusts in his life. I like to call it the yeah. cuddle puddle. Yeah, the cuddle puddle. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite an image. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing image. Mm-hmm. And the exhaustion and relief that they all collectively feel in this moment is pretty astonishing. Yeah. And the doc's line, like, God bless you for saving me or whatever he says, like, he really, it was. If he killed Al, I feel like that was going to be it. That was a great line. Yeah. If Al died, I don't mean to say if the dog killed Al. It wouldn't have been his fault. But he would have felt like it. And that, I mean, just full over the edge, I think he would have been. Great performances all around. Astonishing performances. I can't imagine the energy it must have had on set when they were filming this stuff. Can you imagine? Pickup shots for Dick Blood. Oh, my God. (laughs) The way his little little dirty toes are dangling above the floorboards as they hold him up. Oh, it was really incredible stuff. It honestly scarring me forever. Yeah. Like, when I think of Deadwood... These are the images that I recall most (laughs) immediately. Mm -hmm. But it's like an indelible image. And, I mean, I couldn't not watch. Um, The last of my favorite scenes, I'll just bring this back, is um, (laughs) uh, not Ellsworth, E.B. trying to uh, basically Shanghai Alma into selling her the titles to her claim. (laughs) And then her flipping the tables on him and saying that she wants to buy his hotel and why ever would he not want to sell if the rumors that he's spreading are true. This is a nice moment for her. And I was glad she did not take Ellsworth's advice from the last episode to Mm -hmm. let it go and instead toyed with EB. He's re- EB is going through it in the last couple episodes. He's got Wolcott, he's got Alma. I he's mean, taking it out on Richardson. He's trying Richardson. way too hard to scheme without Al to guide him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really backfiring. For me, this was a definite most feminist moment. Al- Alma, as as EB calls it, the lesser sex mentally fucking with him. That felt good. It was really fun, too. She said to him, I'll have you in a dress in no time. Yes. <laughs> Because he's going to follow his instincts, like the lesser sex does. I mean, the whole scene is just really fun. Um, So, Al lives to see another day. Question for the group. Is Dan gay for Al? He's got a lot of emotions for Al, man. No, I think it's more of the like father thing we were talking about before. And what he says to Trixie about like how he basically was an animal before, mm-hmm, before mm-hmm, Al mm-hmm. found him. Yeah, I don't know. It feels asexual to me, but I I don't know. You know, I'm sure there's fanfic out there. Like Brokeback Mountain meets <laughs> Deadwood. I would. You know what? I see more of it from Johnny than from Dan for some reason. Oh, I think Johnny might be a little fake. I think Dan, jo- Johnny might be more gay for Al than Dan is for some reason. Johnny doesn't. <laughs> I think he just strikes me as virginal. 
Come on, you know, if if there was some reason why either one of them had to be the one milking the penis, they would have done it. They would have done it. <laughs> that would have been incredible. <laughs> missed opportunity. I'm glad Trixie was there, but missed opportunity. But um, this has really affected Dan because before the episode ends, to get all his stress out, he has to kill, kill the guy. man. <laughs> it had been a minute since we had had some sort of gory death. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, this poor guy comes in with no other reason other to irritate Dan into murdering him for the episode. I was like, this actor is really like, uh, that's it. That's your whole purpose. We never really learned what his plot was that he wanted to talk to Al about. We don't learn what happened to him so that he has his disfigured ears. It's just all there so that Dan can Crop ear. Crop ears. What is that? At some point he got his ears cut off? Like, uh, what? Yeah, I don't know. It was just, they just came up with funny <laughs> nicknames and they were like, you know, justify the nickname. Okay, also, another question. What is the first body part that you would lose in Deadwood? In Deadwood? Yes. What would I lose? You mean, like, what would I be willing to lose if I no, had No, no, no. What do you think is your, like, most vulnerable part that would then, <laughs> that the Wild West would strip away from you? Oh, God. I would probably, like, try to ride a horse and then I would get my arm caught in a rope or something. Like, it would be, like, okay. a, it would be an accidental loss of a finger. Yeah, I think probably. finger, too. Probably because from mining or something. From mining. <laughs> mining. You're going to be a miner? I'm going to be a miner. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't want to be a prostitute. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> There's that last scene where um, Mr. W and Carrie, we finally meet the mysterious oh, yeah. Carrie that we've been talking about for two episodes. She seems like a nice... I mean, not nice, but, you know, like, kind of a generic sort of mm-hmm. I seductress. Her. She was mouthy. Her yeah, vibe was very modern to me. I yeah. was like, this is a character from, like, Clueless that you dropped into Deadwood. Yes. Um, and she doesn't seem scared of Francis, but then that scares me because I'm like, is she going to overstep her boundaries and displease him? Does she not know this guy's reputation? And no, she, she said, do not beat me. Right. Don't hit me like the other, other girls. girls. But, I mean... Thinking that he's capable of hitting her and thinking he's capable of murdering her are two different things. Yeah. Like, I bet there's no prostitute that hasn't seen a dude hit someone or hasn't been hit herself, right? Yeah. I liked her. She had more personality in the, like, one scene we hung out with her than Mrs. Isringhausen had for multiple episodes. And then there's some fraudage. And then he comes in his pants. Yeah, what's his he deal? He doesn't want to. He, like, tried to get take his shirt off in the last episode and then it was too much. In in this one, he comes in his pants after like thirty seconds. He's got a that... he's got a juvenile kind of sexuality about him. What a strange character! So, yep. will Al be on the mend? We leave on that like incredible image of him just sort of like thanking his lucky stars and mm-hmm. slash completely no energy, sapped of everything. He yeah, has. just like two seconds of him just in bed alone again. His eyes still fucked up from this. From the fight before, I mean, that's got to be his lowest moment, right? And so what's going to happen after this? I thought it was victorious. I thought it was like, look at look at what I've lived through. Right, sure. He's come, let me say, he's come through his lowest moment. Yes, yes. yes. And he's perfectly yeah. exhausted and it's ready for a new chapter. I mean, he could do anything after this, right? I think so. Maybe it'll give him a new lease on life. Drink some water, dude. <laughs> yes. Okay. Please start properly hydrating. <laughs> don't get bladder stones again. Where is Merrick? Where is Jane? Give me my people back. Why are you such a big fan of Merrick? Because <laughs> he's a writer. He's us. <laughs> I feel like he 
so minor, but Lynn is always like, just why isn't he involved? He's funny. <laughs> Listen, that guy with the with the stovepipe hat who is in with Cy Tolliver and like plotting Con shit. Stapleton. He's yeah. horrible. He's horrible. He's horrible. Why? Yeah, like that's time we could have spent with Merrick. Yeah, I would definitely rather see Merrick than fucking Con and Leon. God, skulking around. Yes, Ugh, little weasels. I don't. I don't need Merrick to have like an ex, like his own storyline per se. But I miss his. I miss the comedy and lightheartedness that characters like Merrick and Jane. Okay. Introduced to the camp. I can see that. I think there's a little too much EB in these two episodes. Oh, it's too like, much. I could use. I love. Uh, he's a great character as like flavoring. Yeah. And I don't love him having all of his own storyline because it just gets to be a little much. I mean, he has like three monologues in two episodes. It's yes. Just like. Calm it down. So that's also time that could have been given to Merrick or another yes. supporting character that we don't see. Totally agreed. Um, the formula for the second season feels a little different. Feels a little less funny. I forget how the rest of the season plays out. We shall see. All right. Anything else? I don't think so. Thank you for listening along. You can find us on Twitter at LadywoodCast. You can also find me, Lynn Sternberger, at Lynn Sternberger. You can find me, Cito Sean, at Slowbear, S-L-O-B-E-A-R. And you can find me at Wee Brandy, O-U-I-B-R-A-N-D-I. Thanks for listening. 